Good morning and welcome to this hour of worship. Um, if you're visiting with us, we're glad to have you here. Hope that you'll be back on many future occasions to worship with, uh, with us here at Memorial. A um, couple of announcements to bring to your attention. Um, please note the children's activity for this coming wonderful Wednesday. It's the outside plant projects and uh, play day and you, you need to sign up so Katie will have enough materials or you need to talk with Katie uh, either way and uh, or one way or the other so that she'll know how much to plan on uh, but that uh, that is this coming week and then this afternoon is the uh, time at Lake Cunningham from 5 to late p.m. bring a side dish or a dessert to share but listen to this your drinks and your hamburgers and hot dogs are all provided. What's your excuse, huh? So uh, be there for the third annual event. It might be a, a tad warm, just a tad, but, uh, but it will be a lot of fun. This afternoon between two and four, uh, the Parsonage Committee would like to invite you to come by and see the uh, re remodeled, refurbished uh, Parsonage back here on West Arlington, uh, 208 West Arlington. Uh, the other thing that I'll have to say about the Parsonage is we know it's clean now. I'm not sure when Penny and I were there, but uh, anyway, it's cleaned up real good now. Um, but I think you ought to come by and take a look and see um, what has been done. Uh, we got out of the Parsonage around the end of April, and I had the right committee assembled and the right chairperson and Norman West to see that the tremendous things that needed to be done, including some foundation work, would be done and the house would be ready for the arrival of the new pastor. And Norman, I appreciate uh, what you did and uh, thank you so much and your full committee as well. That's two to four today. And the, the final thing I wanna um, call to your attention, and we've been so preoccupied with other things we haven't talked about it much, but this is the time of year that we typically take a dip in our, in our giving and attendance because of summer vacations. And we're already somewhat uh, in the red um, as you look and see what has been given versus what is needed in the life of the church. Uh, we still have salaries to pay and we still have uh, utilities and cooling utilities are pretty high these days. So I want to remember, uh, remind you of that and, and to remind you also that as you travel and take vacation this summer, uh, don't forget that uh, the Lord is continuing his work in this place and tr please try to stay current with your giving so that our work may continue. Let us now begin our time together in worship.
affirmation of faith is the Apostles' Creed. Let us unite in this historic confession of the Christian faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sat at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Be seated, please. This time we'd like to invite the children to come forward to join Ann Culberson for a few moments of sharing. children. I was actually scheduled for uh, June 10th, and then I realized I was going to be at the beach, so I asked Cindy to switch me around. I ended up with today, and uh, when I realized it was Arthur's last day, I was honored, but I was also worried if we would be able to show him exactly how we feel about what a wonderful pastor he has been to us. And um, Scott shared a verse with me, which I'd like to read to you. It's from 1 Timothy. And it says, uh, from chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do you understand what that means? Yeah? Can you explain it or tell me what you think? Not really. It's difficult. Do you, Sarah Catherine? No. Well, the elders, someone like Arthur. <laughs> oh. Oh. <clears throat> is worthy of double honor because he's been preaching and teaching us. So we owe him honor, respect, and today we want to show you our gratitude for everything you've endured here with us. Um, there are actually a lot of people in this church that our children can look up to. Uh, the care that the children have received here has helped them convince that Jesus is real. I think they see it being lived out. And uh, when Miss Margie or Beverly or Katie or Robbie or Ralph and countless others share the Bible with them during these children's sermons, um, they're attending to what is truly important. And I think it is meaningful to the children and I think they do take it to heart. Uh, when Miss Margie speaks, no one is playing Xbox or texting on a cell phone. They listen when Miss Margie speaks and the others. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard the story of those three snowmen and the three balls and the bottom and the top and the, and the middle one. And it's not just the children who've heard the good news during these sermons. Uh, all these Sundays, you, Pastor Holt, have labored and reasoned with us and shared with us and tried to convince us and I'll uh, believe us we were listening, sometimes with one ear, uh, sometimes with two, uh, but you have had an impact on this congregation, on the children, as well as on the adults. And for me, you've certainly played a large role in leading me to finally accept Jesus Christ as my savior. Uh, from the very first sermons, I learned to appreciate your humbleness, your candor, your kindness, and your humor, sometimes. When, when, I, when I got the date, I appreciated it. <laughs> And I know the children have also learned a great deal from you. Um, Emma, can you tell us something that you've learned here from Pastor Holt? I learned that we can only be saved by the grace of God. Sarah, would you like to say something? I learned that God can be three people, the Holy Spirit, God, and Jesus. <laughs> would anyone else like to say something? <laughs> All right, well, you've made an investment in these children and who knows where this will lead them. 
Uh, in a little bit, Pastor Holt will read to us from Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 9. And I'm going to read you the first four verses because I think it ties in beautifully to what we're talking about. After this, so it's Luke chapter 10, verse 1 through 4, verses 1, 1 through 4. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. The children here actually like to go up, I think, like to come up to the children's sermon and listen to what Arthur and others have to say. The children are our future, and it is our hope and our prayer that they will go out into the world one by one or two by two or three by three and preach the good news, share the good news with the world. Arthur, you have our greatest thanks for what you have done here, for the children, for the adults, for me, and uh, you will be greatly missed. We hope to get, we get to see you lots and lots in the months and years to come. Um, I know some of the children have some things they'd like to share with you, so I'm gonna turn it over oh, first to Emma. Really? I don't want you to leave, especially because you're so funny. <laughs> I still remember the time you were walking up the aisle and Sarah shouted, Hi, Arthur! <laughs> Every sermon is exciting and all the gospel lessons, too. MUMC is sure going to miss you. Good luck in Boiling Springs. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Sarah Catherine has something to share with you. Oh, my goodness. That's so sweet. That's so sweet. I'll keep this. Treasure that. And Sarah has something too, and I think the rest of us just want to give you a big old hug. Okay. If you don't mind. What you got? All right. Oh, that's so sweet. That is so sweet. Me <laughs> neither. <laughs> 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 Oh, how sweet. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> When we were coming in as a choir, Ann came running in and almost ran over all of us. I know now why you were in a hurry. You needed to be here. To <laughs> Thank you uh, for that and for the children as well, for very meaningful uh, gifts and words. Our Old Testament reading is from Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of, God, of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give delusion. <laughs> I am messed up today. Decisions. Let's try that again. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, and the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the hole of a cobra, and the young child will put his hand into a viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, 
For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. Here ends the lesson. Responsive reading is Psalm 145, which is found on page 857. I invite you to stand uh, as you're able and turn to that passage as we share God's word responsively. <clears throat> the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord. And your faithful ones shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom. And tell of your power. To make known to all people your mighty deeds. And the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord upholds all who are falling. The eyes of all look to you. And you give them their food in season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. All the Lord's ways are just. All the Lord's are kind. The Lord is near to all who call. To all who call upon the Lord in truth. The Lord fulfills the desires of all the faithful. All who love the Lord, the Lord preserves. All wicked, the Lord destroys. My mouth will speak of the praise of the Lord. Let all flesh bless God's holy name forever and ever. You're still welcome to turn in your pew Bible and try to read along. I'm reading it from a different translation this morning. This is from the message paraphrase because I think it just says so beautifully one of the things I want to say to you today. From Ephesians 3, 7 through 12, Paul is expressing his, uh, his story and says, This is my life's work helping people understand and respond to the message. It came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise, God handling all the details. When it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's ways, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. God saw to it that I was equipped, but you can be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. And so here I am preaching and writing about things that are way over my head, the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. My task is to bring out in the open and make plain what God who created all of this in the first place has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. Through Christians like yourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. All this is proceeding along lines planned all along by God and then executed in Christ Jesus. When we trust in him, we're free to say what needs to be said, bold to go wherever we need to go. Here ends the lesson.
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. It truly is a very humbling thing, Lord, to think of all here on earth, all of your earthly creations, from plant life to the various creatures that live out their lives for your purpose here. It is humbling to think that of all that you made, you singled out humanity as a special creation of yours. And you have crowned us with an amazing amount of glory within ourselves and given us abilities not unlike your creative abilities. You have called on us to call you Father. You have embraced us by becoming one of us in Christ Jesus. You come to live in our hearts and with us by your spirit. We do feel very humbled to be able to say, who are we that you would be mindful of us? And then we read where the good news that is causing us to assemble together in churches is so exciting that even the angels are stopping in heaven to talk about it. That what you're doing here on earth through the gospel is exciting enough for angels to talk and rejoice. What a wonderful thing it is to know that you so highly value us, your creation. And how wonderful it is to know that you have given us Jesus Christ and Jesus has given his life for us so that we might know for a certainty that we have eternal life that we might know for a certainty that our sins are forgiven, that we might know for a certainty that we have yet another chance to rise up from the deadness of our sins, to become faithful followers of Jesus Christ. How wonderful this is, and we pray your blessings upon this church in years to come that they might continue to overflow with your blessings so they might spill your blessings upon others all around this community and that others might come to know how important they are to you through the work of this church. And may all come to know that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. It is in his name we pray as he taught us saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving.
Several months ago, Jessica asked me uh, to name a few favorite choir anthems, and, and they would choose one of them. Well, they did both of them. So uh, I appreciate that. I, the many beautiful, beautiful, beautiful anthems that they have done. Uh, but those two are among my favorite anyway, and I appreciate this enlarged crowd uh, being here today as a, as a part of uh, this day of uh, departure, I guess is a good word for it. Last time I remember seeing, well, no, we've had a few since then, but, but y'all remember that wonderful Christmas Eve when we had a big choir like this and the bats started flying through? That was, <clears throat> that was Ann's favorite time here of all the time I've been here. <clears throat> um, I want to tell you, before I, before I read the scripture, I want to tell you a story about a dream that my wife Penny had four days ago. Now, I'm not making this up. She really had this dream. I did make up the meaning, but, but th this is what she dreamed. She woke up, she was agitated and troubled. <clears throat> she had been at Converse College, walking along, that's where she works, and um, this lady came up to Penny and handed her her baby and said, can you watch the baby for me a few minutes and go get me an ice cream cone? So Penny said, all right, and so she took the baby and went off in search of an ice cream cone. She came back with it a few minutes later, looked around, the mother was nowhere to be found, and the ice cream cone was just melting, and she didn't know what to do. Well, about that time, the, the baby wet its diaper, and she thought, what do I do? She found some other ladies there that had a diaper bag, and she begged for a diaper and got it. And no sooner did she get that diaper changed and get the ice cream back in her hands that the baby really messed up the diaper. You know, the kind where you want to burn the clothes rather than wash the clothes. <clears throat> and um, uh, so now she had to go find another diaper and the cone is melting. And by now she said she'd forgotten what the mother looked like and she was frantic to find the mother of this baby, you know, um, and do something with this ice cream. And she said, that's when I woke up. I don't, I don't really know exactly, you know, what that means. Put that back there. And uh, so I said, well, Penny, I know exactly what that dream means. I know exactly what it means. Now, you all are familiar with the a version of the student dream. That's when you dream that you're about to take an exam for a class you forgot that you signed up for, and you're not ready to take the exam. So it's kind of a, it means that you're being overwhelmed at that moment. And I said, Penny, here's what your dream means. Retirement is about to hand you a big baby. <laughs> and he's about to mess up your plans like that baby did. <laughs> You're gonna have ice cream spread everywhere. It's gonna be a big, big mess. And I said, the difference this time is Mother Church isn't coming along to take me off your hands. You're stuck. And we laughed about it, and I don't know if you can think of a better meaning of that. Uh, I'm sure she does feel a bit overwhelmed, uh, even as I do at this time. Our uh, gospel lesson is Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 9. Um, words of Jesus. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place that, where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or a sandal, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Here ends the lesson. Well, let me tell you, I do not, I do not handle these last Sundays very well. I tend to struggle 
with my emotions. And so if that starts happening this morning and going gets very tough, uh, I'm just going to stop. And we'll all race the Baptists to the restaurants for another time. And then you can make your plans to head on out to Lake Cunningham uh, for the picnic supper. Where is John Rush when I need him? I guess he's preaching somewhere. Um, we could use John right now to come and tell us about some of the new obituaries that he has found. You know, he's forever finding an obituary that's so strange. Um, wasn't there an obituary not that long ago where a man listed as his survivors his scattered, smothered, covered in chunk friends at the Waffle House? Maybe so. There are, uh, there are some strange ones that he has found for us across the years. There are a few housekeeping details that I want to handle with you this morning at the beginning of the sermon. For one thing, it's very important to me that you understand why I am disappearing for a while, why I am going into self-imposed exile. I will be very scarce around here for the next year or so. And it isn't because I don't love you, it is precisely because I do. When I was ordained back in 1977, our bishops spent a great deal of time with us, telling us what is expected of us when we move away from a congregation. We were taught that the new pastor will have a more difficult time getting established in his or her ministry if the previous pastor is still hanging around all the time, always showing up for weddings and funerals, always at church functions. We were taught that it was our duty and for the good of the church, we were to leave when we leave. I've always been very careful to follow those instructions. And even now, as Pity and I are making plans to attend a church near our new home, I contacted that pastor to make sure that he didn't have a problem with my returning there, because I had previously been a pastor there. If I will just follow the good examples set for me here by John Rush and George Strait, and Dennis Lee and Don Cavan, everything will be all right. But let me tell you, as they also could tell you, not all retired pastors are as well behaved as they are. Some retired pastors stir up trouble in churches all the time. I never want it to be said that some pastor's ministry did not succeed because Arthur kept getting in the way. So you probably will see and hear Penny at the piano in a few months because she and Ann had this substitute musician arrangement thing. But I'm going to be busying myself in this next year or two in a, another church so that your new pastor can really make his way into your hearts and lives. Please turn to him in times of spiritual need and crisis the very best way to get to know your new pastor is by including him in your lives during these very, very difficult times of your life. You'll get to know his spiritual resources when you turn to him. It might be helpful for us to remember uh, what game we're playing right now during this time of transition. Sometimes when a pastor moves away, Churches seem to think that the, that the game that they're playing is one that's very similar to romance and breakup. You see, when a couple breaks up, we usually feel duty-bound to choose sides. We take one person's side and we shun the other person and his or her new romantic interest. That's not the game that we're playing. Instead, we're playing the game of construct a church where one subcontractor comes in and pours the foundation, then leaves. And another subcontractor comes in and puts down the floor and puts up the walls and the roof. And then some other subcontractor installs the plumbing and another the wiring. All of these subcontractors work in harmony with one another because there is this terrific general contractor named God who is overseeing the overall construction. I am just a subcontractor. I finished my contract labor here. Now Reverend Joseph Curtis will come to build his addition to the church. Please be mindful of the fact that this is a very difficult transition for a pastor. 
I know it is for members as well, but you've got one name to learn, two counting his wife, and he's got several hundred names to try to, to learn. And uh, it's just a most difficult time. Please remember that, uh, that he has the need for a lot of your support. He and I are, you see, not in any kind of competition in any way. I wish nothing for him other than the greatest success. I'm leaving him with the, the best staff and the best elected leadership that I possibly can, can put together. The best way that you can show that you've appreciated our time together is for you, the sheep, to quickly transfer your love and loyalty to the new shepherd that God is sending you. Nobody's breaking up, so you don't have to take a side. You can therefore give yourself completely and quickly to your new pastor and still take nothing away from our friendship. And if you really get homesick to see Penny and me, we would be happy for you to come over to Spartanburg and take us out to eat. <laughs> there are three waffle houses very close to our house. We don't have to go far. I, I'm under such stress every day to make a decision. Where do I go? Which one? The uh, second thing I want to do is to thank your excellent staff members who have pulled the plow along beside me during our time together. I hope you will never forget how blessed you are to have Jessica and Katie, Andy and Kelly, June, a couple of ladies named Ann, Gail, and Thomas. And I want you to know what a special church Memorial Church is. The fact that some of you have grandparents and great-grandparents who are part of this congregation years ago is a great source of strength for this church. What a deep dedication these long-term family members have to this church. But you're also blessed to have new members who've come in with their new ideas and new enthusiasm, and that's a recipe for growth. How blessed you are to have all ages of members in this church also, from a nursery that is just exploding with babies to pews full of older church members as well. And I want you to know that there's such a maturity here at this church. Several times while I've been here, your administrative board has met to tackle some very difficult issues and some touchy issues. And I have sat there with knots forming in my stomach as I thought, oh, this thing's going to explode in a minute. But it never does. There's such respect for people who even have differences of opinion here, and it never degenerated into personal attack. That is such a wonderful thing. If only Congress could come here and take some lessons from you all. Perhaps, perhaps then we might get something done in Washington. There may be some other churches in Greer that are every bit as good as Memorial, and I'm sure there are, but I want you to know there is none that is any better than you all. People ask me what I'm going to do next after I retire, and other than rocking a baby, I can say I honestly have no idea. To tell you the truth, I'm just a little bit scared about things. I don't know how to handle myself when I have a day off. What am I going to do with a life off? For the past 35 years, seeking God's will for my life has been connected with how I respond to a letter from the district superintendent every January. Do I want to stay put or do I want to move? What does the church want? That's about as far as we have gone in seeking the will of God for 35 years. So now, I've really got to stop and ask God for guidance. I am retiring from full-time pastoral responsibilities, but you know, none of us ever gets to retire from the Lord's service. He's given us a lifelong calling to follow Jesus and to serve in his name. It's going to be exciting to discover what's next for me. Somehow I expect it to be good. Paul of Tarsus claimed to have received the gospel directly from God himself. I cannot claim that for myself because I received the gospel through adult Christians at Bethel United Methodist Church in Spartanburg, who shepherded my spiritual journey, especially 
during my teenage years. And that is a reminder to you that it is your task here at Memorial to make sure that your children have ample opportunities to hear the gospel through you. During those years at Bethel, I had a number of significant encounters with the risen Christ to the point that I came to deeply believe that he is the Son of God and my Lord and my Savior. And I knew that I had to find some way to tell others. When it came to answering and responding to a call to preach, like Paul, I have to say that the invitation came as a real surprise to me with God handling all the details. I still say that I was a second or third round draft choice who got drafted because someone didn't heed the call when he first issued it. Like Paul, I was so ill-equipped, the least qualified of all the available Christians, to become a shepherd of the flock of God. Like Paul, I had to learn on the job. Most of the time, like Paul, I had felt like I was preaching and writing about things that are way over my head as I've tried to explain the inexhaustible riches and the generosity of Christ. Like Paul, my task has been to do what I can to bring out into the open what God is still doing in our day, in our midst. It is such an exciting thing that God is doing that even the angels look down and talk about us and rejoice. Thanks be unto God. And may the name of Jesus always be glorified.